Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now. Your inside look into the best of Vice. It's Monday, May 20th. I'm Sophie Casas. Today we're talking about astrology, and we're diving into how to use this tool to be a better friend and a better lover. Tomorrow is the big day. Vice is launching a brand new astrology app called Astro Guide. It'll feature the daily, weekly, and monthly horoscopes that you already know and love from our website. And it's all been expertly designed by our in-house astrologer Annabelle Gatt and our astrology editor Sarah David. This app is for anyone and everyone who likes astrology, but especially people who want to find ways to use astrology to enhance their daily lives. So for example, if you've ever read your crush's horoscope to try to interpret whether you should text them first, we know you have. Our guests today are here to explain the best ways to let the stars guide you. So today, I am graced by the presence of Annabelle Gatt and Sarah David to talk about astrology. Annabelle, Sarah, hello. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the podcast studio. Thank you so much for having us here. Very happy to be here. I'm happy that you're here too. So today we're talking about how to use astrology to be a better friend and to be a better lover. And I want to start by plugging your book, Annabelle, because you're kind of our resident expert on this topic. You just came out with a book about the Astrology of Love and Sex. It's yes. It's called The Astrology of Love and Sex, A Modern Compatibility Guide. Yes. It actually comes out July 2019. I am so excited. And I think a lot of what we talk about today will also be touched on in the book. So everyone, if you're listening and you like what we talk about, check out the book. You can find a link to it at my website, www.annabellegat.com. Amazing. So let's dive right into that, that topic. What are the biggest myths and or simplifications that you see in astrology when it comes to relationships or love and sex or just interacting with other people? So one of the myths that I find the most annoying is when people say that if you're a fire sign, you can only get along with other fire signs in a relationship and just water signs for water signs and earth signs for earth signs. That is totally not true. Compatibility is so complex in astrology and what's most important isn't your sun sign isn't your moon sign isn't your rising sign isn't what we call synastry or you know the composite chart it's your maturity level mm -hmm. and like Word. how 
how invested you are as a human being in having happy and healthy relationships with other people. That's really where compatibility and happiness in relationships come comes from. That said, you can totally use astrology as a tool to help you get to know someone. But I always tell people who are afraid that they're not going to get along with another sign because they read somewhere that the two signs are incompatible. I mean, I want passion and chemistry and like if things flow too easily, then you, you it's not that you get bored of the person. But if there's no spark, then there's no spark. We've all met someone who we think is kind of cute, but then we get to know them a little bit better and there's just no spark. So you're like, eh, I guess we'll just be friends. And if and if, so if things are kind of too easy. We all love the chase. Let's be honest. So like having like a little bit of something to, you know work on is usually kind of inspiring in a relationship. I don't mean to say that we should be seeking out relationships with people we're incompatible with. But what I do mean is that meeting people who have different energies from us usually finds us wanting to tap into that within ourselves. And it's usually inspiring. Yeah, I'd love to add that since astrology is becoming more popular, which we love because it's a great thing that we want to talk about and would love to teach people about, I think that a lot of it comes down to the fact that um, things can be easily reduced to these sort of single sound bites. And one of the ways that it's really easy to kind of try and put like a pin in someone is with their sun sign. And so the sun sign is an obvious kind of start for thinking about the way a person's personality is. But it's also just not the end all be all. Uh, Annabelle talks a lot about how everyone's birth chart actually has all the signs in it. And you should really uh, take like a closer look to better understand what parts of each sign you embody and are. And so that's kind of the thing that happens. So it's like with with popular culture, it's things like it's so easy to kind of roast these prominent qualities about like Geminis or Scorpios. But the fact is that we all have those qualities also. Um, and so it's really just about this sort of like, you know, this, the sun sign is great for things like memes. Um, but when it's really comes down to it for compatibility, it's about the whole person. And in terms of astrology, that means their whole chart. Astrology meme culture is super fun. It's hilarious, but it's not teaching people good astrology. And it's definitely, I think, influencing people into believing these uh, things about compatibility that really aren't true. Being incompatible with someone just based on sun signs does not mean you're going to be incompatible as human beings. So just have fun with it. That's, this is just another way to get to know someone and to get to know yourself. I would never suggest that people actually date human beings they're incompatible with. But the thing is, a zodiac sign is not a person. Right. And things like zodiac signs and astrology, they're they're basically as porous and complicated and dynamic and multifaceted as all these other barriers and markers that we have. So if someone would think like, oh, you wouldn't be compatible with them because they're not a they're not like a creative or they're not in this particular economic bracket. Like those are also things that we should be challenging. And yes. Yes. So all of these kind of. Like they are tools to look at compatibility and different people will care more about different topics. Um, so it's really just about trying to wield the tool of astrology wisely. Yeah, I think when it comes to, for example, the astrology of love and sex, what we're looking at is not so much compatibility, but just how we can all get along better and how we can all learn to live together and enjoy each other's company and like just work on our strengths and weaknesses. That's what I think the astrology of love and sex should be all about, not whether or not 
this can or can't work because the only thing that decides that are the two people, not the zodiac signs or the charts. So Annabelle, Sarah, can I ask you, can I back up for a second and ask you guys a personal question, which is, you know, you're describing astrology as a powerful tool in a large toolkit that we have. You know, there are lots of tools to think about compatibility and human beings and personality and, you know, all of these things. Why for you two is astrology sort of the tool that really speaks to you that you've chosen to focus so much time on? What is it about astrology that really gets you? For me personally, I think that And this hilariously probably also speaks to my birth chart. But for me, and I think that this links in with why it's so popular today, is just that we want an excuse to try and take a look, a deeper look at people. And we want a reason to to try and understand people in ways that don't feel mired and stuck in small talk. So, of course, if I'm at a bar, I could ask like the standard questions of what do you do for a living? But it's just so much more fun and playful to use the framework of astrology to ask them more probing questions in a context that would feel less pressurized. So it would be something like instead of just meeting someone and a friend of a friend and being like, cool, what do you do for your day job? Asking what their sun sign is, and let's say that they say that they're a Virgo, then I can just immediately dive into like, oh, that's interesting. You know, Virgos are stereotyped as, uh, you know, really detail-oriented, really kind of um, possibly nitpicky. Do you feel like that? And it's just a much more interesting lens into someone. And if someone's willing to engage in that, also I feel like that is a signifier for me of, what kind of person they are, what kind of ideas they're willing to entertain, what kind of questions they're willing to ask themselves. And those are really great markers for me of what makes the person and whether or not we would get along. Annabelle? Well, I love mythology. I love psychology. And astrology feels kind of like a blend of the two. Just like Sarah was saying, if you meet someone and you're like, oh, what's your ascendant? Do you, oh, you have Capricorn rising. Do you feel like you come off as, a, you know, a, a, you know, someone who's really like been there and like done that and like seen a lot of things or whatever? Like, it's just a cool way to talk about deep stuff. Yeah, totally. So I want to talk about kind of the mainstreaming of astrology. Sarah, you mentioned that a little bit. It's become super popular recently. You know, in the past few years, you you talked about memes and you see it on Tinder profiles and like everyone's talking about astrology. Why do you think that astrology has become so popular recently? My opinion is that people today are really tired of the dichotomy between hard science and religion. And most people I know, like around my age, like we're all skeptical people who, you know, obviously put our trust in science. But we it's not so much that we have a spiritual side. I think many people do. It's just that we're not looking at everything from this lens of it's either this or that. Like we're allowed to have some like fun and whimsy in our life. Like just because we have a notification pop up on our phone about the moon being void, it doesn't mean that we don't think climate change is an issue. Like we it, I don't want I don't mean to say we want to have it all, but like we we want to have some fun while also doing serious things too. Like we're allowed to have variety in our lives. Yeah. And Sarah, I feel like your job kind of speaks to the popularization of astrology. You are an astrology editor at a major online media platform. Why do you think that people are so into astrology right now? I definitely do agree with Annabelle that 
when it really boils down to it, we do want it all. And honestly, we deserve it. I think that, you know, I'm not an astrologer. I'm the astrology editor. And so I learned so much about astrology from my job. And so much of my job is thinking about ways to turn these very technical, ancient, complicated ideas into accessible, palatable things that grab the attention of young people. And I've noticed more and more in my work that, I mean, we can say this for every single generation, which is that the young people of each generation are always more radical than the last. And they're always challenging institutions and challenging existing ways of thinking and trying to build new foundations, which hopefully, if the trend continues, you know, these foundations become more radical, more inclusive, more open to ways of thinking that have been traditionally shut out in history. And so when I, especially when I think of this idea that, you know, a lot of pushback of astrology is that people say, oh, it's just fake and it's a frivolous women's interest. And that is so mired in the history of kind of all the spaces that we push women into. You know, all the cultural signaling since we were children have been Women aren't really good at math and, uh, you know, this emphasis that women have intuition and that women are really good at more emotional labor and really good at being able to parse through those sort of unnameable things. And I do think when it comes to that, it's sort of like we've been pushed into these liminal spaces. And today it's sort of like, well, we've been here for millennia. What's more veiled? What's more unseen than the world of the occult or astrology? And is it so absurd that those who have been pushed into those spaces historically forever would just find a way to try and start exploring and enjoying that? And I think that that's definitely like at the heart of a lot of why teens and young people who overwhelmingly, you know, challenge things like like gender and sexuality and identity, why they're so open to it is because we're looking for we're looking for the unseen and we're looking for ways to bring that into the mainstream. We're just looking for ways to enrich the fabric of our culture. And a lot of that takes, you know, trying to not necessarily legitimize, but at least like explore and give credence to things and ideas that have been shut out before. You're making me think of intuition in a really interesting way, which is like as a sort of adaptive survival tool like women needing to be able to read situations like am I safe what's going on here like using that tool to you know live in a power dynamic that pushes them down I don't know that's just when I was listening to you talk I was thinking about how powerful intuition is and Mm -hmm. how kind of amazing it is to have developed that skill not to enforce that stereotype that you're talking about but I think intuition is pretty amazing it is definitely I agree and I also think that having to learn and build your inherent trust in self and intuition is so much about the destruction of ego which historically people with a lot of privilege have a difficult time doing whereas someone who has a hard time accessing the health care that they require, has a hard time being paid what other people make for the same work, naturally are able to see themselves in the bigger picture. And when you're made to feel kind of small in the world, it is a lot easier to understand your place in the universe as smaller. 
And on one hand, that can be bad for some. On the other, just I think over so much time and out of necessity, you can also flip that around and make it transgressive. So this idea of just being like, when you feel powerless, it can actually be empowering to think of yourself as a speck of dust in the universe. Because when you really do have that frame, you can be like, okay, my life that I live is actually only for me. And that means at the end of the day, I have to be able to look in the mirror and feel happy and good about my choices. And that means that you build yourself and your tools on your own terms, which is a lot harder from people who benefit from the ones that already exist. It's a lot easier to rely on those things. And so like people with a lot of privilege have, a, have difficulty destroying their ego enough to be humble, to think, oh, yeah, of course, if the moon can literally create and, and control the tides why wouldn't that have some impact on the particles of my body? You know, people ask me sometimes how accurate the horoscopes are. And my answer is, I don't fucking care. I don't keep track. It's irrelevant whether or not they're accurate. What I hope happens when someone reads a horoscope is that their intuition is engaged. And if they read, you're going to fall in love today, and they're dating someone who they really feel uncomfortable about, I hope they read that and say, Ugh, no, it's time for me to get in touch with the fact that I don't want to do this. Or I hope if they read a horoscope that says something about how maybe check in with your budget, they might think, mm, no, I've been doing that. I don't need to do that. You know, close my horoscope for the day. Or they might say, you know what, maybe I will do that. The thing is with our horoscopes at Vice, something I am really proud of is that we do our best to be accurate to the archetypes and to the history of astrology. So when we discuss something is happening with the moon and another planet, we are accurate in that we are accurate to what this symbolically means, what this has means symbolically throughout history, because astrology has been with us for basically fucking ever, you know, like mm -hmm. since people could look up at the stars, no, it's not the same astrology we have today, but human beings have always been trying to find meaning in things around us and in nature. And astrology has been with us since the Babylonian times and the, you know, astrology that we're using today in horoscopes you know, coming from the Hellenistic period and, you know, the, you know, amazing astrology that like took place during the Renaissance and the amazing astrology that took place when I say astrology, the amazing uh, astrological research that took place throughout the 20th century. So all of the horoscopes are based on research and observations that have been made over hundreds and hundreds of years. So that is what we're trying to be accurate to. We want to be accurate in the sense that what our astrologers say here would be something that all astrologers agree with. But it's not about being accurate in terms of predicting something like predicting the weather or trying to be a fortune teller. That's not what this is about. This is about being true to the astrological archetypes and to bring mythology into people's everyday lives to help us connect with our own in in inner, inner voice and intuition. I do think that speaks to this, the fact that astrology is so popular because people are searching for connectedness, too. Astrology has been around since literally 2000 BC. Like, it's millennia old. And we want to feel connected to a legacy and the people who do the legwork and the emotional work to try and find that are usually the people who are less privileged, who don't necessarily feel like Everything that I have today, I got on my own. And that means that nobody influenced this ever. It's people who are like, oh, I'm really interested in history. I'm interested in 
this inherited mythology. I'm interested in how the way that society functions today came to be and what sort of themes that connect humanity have survived for thousands of years, which is the idea that we look to the stars to try and find meaning in our lives or to try and find explanations for why we do the things that we do. And again, that kind of ties back to the idea of destruction of ego, of who's going to be searching for those kinds of feelings and finding that in astrology. So we've talked a little bit about myths. You know, it's not all about the sun sign, right? That's like one of the major myths Um, and the ways that it gets sort of simplified or misunderstood uh, in the mainstream. But let's talk about the effective ways to use astrology. So what are effective ways to use this tool to help people understand how to enhance their own lives, their relationships, romantic, friendship, sex, etc.? Should we talk about dating? Dating. Okay. So here's the advice I usually give. I like to tell people, if you want to compliment someone, you compliment them not based on their sun sign, but based on their rising sign. And if you want to plan a cute date, you base that on their moon sign. So in order to find this out, yes, you're going to have to know when your crush's birthday is and where they were born and what time. But let's say you're able to get that because nowadays it's not that hard. You know, like we all know the drill when we meet someone. It's like, do you have your birth chart? You know, coming around, you know, we, we, we share this kind of information. So if someone has an Aries rising, you want to compliment them by telling them, wow, you are such a pioneer. The first time anyone has ever made me feel this way was you. Because Aries is the first sign of the Zodiac. So you want to kind of like pump up that feeling of like, oh, yeah, you're the first. You're number one. You're the winner. Uh, You want to hype up how they're such a good leader, how they're so brave. They're so fierce. So if someone has Taurus rising, you know, we think of Taurus as being this really gentle, sensual sign. But Taurus is also, we think of them as being lazy. But when they put their mind to something, they are really hard workers. So complimenting them on like, wow, you really put in a lot of effort and a lot of like your love and your strength into this is is a compliment you want to give them. You also want to compliment them on their style. Tauruses love to shop. For Gemini, Gemini is like all about communication. You want to compliment them on, I always have such fun banter with you or texting with you is just so, it's so fun. I love waking up to to getting a text from you or wow, like you're so witty or you have such an amazing sense of humor. You want to play up that part. Or also that, um, you know, Geminis are cerebral and kind of like to fancy themselves jack-of-all-trades. So I love saying, like, wow, you know so much about, like, so many different things. Yeah, like, you can do anything. (laughs) So Cancer is a really interesting sign. It has this reputation of being, like, a homebody and, like, really maternal, but that's not really a sexy compliment to give people. You know, I think you're such a homebody. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I would take take that as a compliment. But if you tell most cancers like, I love it when you cook for me, they really are going to appreciate it. But that's maybe not the first thing you want to lead with when you're trying to seduce someone. It's not like I love it when you, you know, (laughs) baby me, even though that's, you know, total cancer theme. But uh, telling them that like, wow, you're really mysterious. You're really intuitive and kind of really playing up this other side of cancer that we don't talk a lot about, which is that they are really in in touch with their surroundings and that they're really protective people saying, I feel really safe with you is going to make someone who has cancer rising feel really good. Now, if someone has Leo rising, 
Leo is the sign of royalty, right? So you want to make this person feel like they are, you know, the monarch of the world. And, you know, just saying things like, gosh, like you are such a good mentor to the people around you. People really look up to you. I know you never asked to be a role model, but here you are and you're killing it, you know? Um, And of course, complimenting their hair. Leo is all about big hair, beards, teasing it up to the sky. So compliment them on their hair. Again, this is the rising. What happens if a Leo rising is balding? Then that's just not what you're going to touch on. (laughs) (laughs) Then you might say, I love your hat. Or like you look amazing in I hats. love your wig. Love your wig. Yeah, um, I think it can be like about adorning yes, their face. Adornments. Yeah. I love that. You know. Cool. Leo, Let's expand it from hair. Yes. To all adornments. <laughs> adornments. Now, Virgo, like Sarah mentioned before, Virgo kind of has this reputation for being really orderly and, you know, nitpicky at times. But Virgo is also an earth sign. They're very down to earth. They are very sensual. Telling a Virgo that they're sexy and that they're intuitive and that they're so smart is great. But here's the other secret I'll tell you about Virgo rising. They really love being on the in in like scenes and clicks and crews and like, um, I don't know if there's a music scene that they're a part of or an art scene that they're a part of being like, wow, like everyone really wants to get to know you, huh? That's really going to get a Virgo rising going because they love feeling like they have the connections. So Libra rising. We think of Libra as being one of the most flirtatious signs of the Zodiac. Totally true. They're super social. Telling them, oh, my God, you're so popular. That's going to be something that definitely gets Libra going. Again, letting them know that they're stylish. They're so pretty. You know, Libra loves romance. So you want to do long stem roses, all that sort of thing. Now, when we get to Scorpio, with Scorpio rising, Scorpio rising really gets off on being like like the mysterious, like, you know, sex pot. So that's going to be what you compliment them on. Just you've never seen anyone so sexy in your life. So with Sagittarius rising, Sagittarius rising loves to be recognized for how how smart they are, how well traveled they are, how intellectual they are. With Capricorn rising, telling them that you love their work ethic or that you think it's really sexy how they uh, have started their own business or that uh, they really take care of business or that something about them feels really Uh, That they that, you know, saying that like, oh, you know, your handshake when I first met you really caught me off guard. Like that's going to make a Capricorn really happy. (laughs) And then Aquarius rising, letting them know that like they stand out from the crowd. No one else is like you, that sort of thing, because Aquarius, you know, we call him the, the alien of the Zodiac. And then last but not least, Pisces. Letting, letting them know, first of all, that they that you see all of the work that they do for everyone else. So with a Pisces rising being like, you really do everything to help the people around you. And that's something that just really uh, inspires me. And I think it's amazing. And also with, with Pisces is sometimes Pisces rising can feel like they're invisible or that they're not seen. So making sure that they do feel seen is going to be really important for a Pisces rising saying, wow, I couldn't help but notice you when you walked into the room. I noticed everyone else noticed you too. Is That's Pisces when- like the the youngest child in a really big family? Pisces is like the oldest child in a really big family. Hmm. Oh, that makes sense then. Because it's kind of like how, you know, with parents, it's like, they're really, really strict on their oldest child yeah, right. and then they get more lax as they mm-hmm. go and then the youngest child gets the attention. Yeah, no, it's exactly. True. That is yeah. true. I'm, I'm a youngest child. <laughs> and then for the moon signs, I usually take the archetype 
of the sign and kind of just design a date around that. So if you listen back to what I said about the rising. So why would it be good to, why do you suggest that people plan their dates around the, their crush's moon sign? So the moon is all about what, what makes us feel safe and comfortable. The moon also has a lot to do with our home. But it it is true that you do, like, when you go on a date with someone, you want to make them feel Safe. comfortable. Yes. And, you like, want, to yes. be able to open up to you and really get to the things that you want to talk about. Yeah. The moon is all about safety, comfort. And like you said, Sarah, that's something you really want when you are dating someone, whether it's just going to be a one-night stand or you're going to be with them for the rest of your life. You want to feel safe. So designing a date around the moon helps the person feel cared for. So for example, if you're going- I'd love to know what your moon sign is. I'm a Libra moon, so if anyone's trying to take me or Annabelle on a date, I can't wait for you to take this advice. <laughs> so I have a Scorpio moon. Me too, I, oh, think. Cool. I think. We'll have to double check later. We'll, we'll double check later. So I have a Scorpio moon, so I really love being on a date someplace which is quiet, which is not you know super loud and like really in public. I don't really want to go to a loud, noisy, big place. I love a quieter, more private cocktail lounge where we can talk about where we can really have like a deep conversation and safety as a Scorpio moon. You know, Scorpio is a sign that's really concerned with protection and safety. It's the sign of death and transformation. So with a Scorpio moon saying like, oh, I'm going to take you somewhere and not tell you where it is. That's not really going to make a Scorpio moon feel safe exactly. You know, perhaps if that person has a lot of other Sagittarius planets, yes, they might be really adventurous, but you're on a date trying to make the person feel safe and comfortable and secure, and you're trying to build that foundation to do all of those adventurous things later. So you want to kind of build a foundation, in my opinion, that's rooted in safety and security. So, for example, if someone has um, a Libra moon, then you then even like a first date with a Libra moon that's a group date that then becomes a more private date can be a good first date foundation. So the Libra moon can see that you that you have manners in public and that you're polite. Like a Libra moon is going to pay attention to whether or not you were rude to the waiter. Like that's going to be. Absolutely, I am. So, you know, let them see you in public. But Libra is all this, the energy, the archetype of Libra is all about fairness and balance. So when you go on a date with a Libra moon, you're going to want to really show that you are really considering what they want to do that evening. So again, Libra moon, maybe a little bit more than Scorpio moon is going to be open for a surprise, but show them that you really did research about what they like because Libra energy, no matter what planet planet um, is occupying Libra, bends over backwards for people. And you want to show them that they're not going to have to break their back for you. Yeah, that I can fact check that. That's yeah. confirmed. <laughs> yeah. Um so, wow, that was a lot of information. That's amazing, information. Annabelle. Thank you. Yes, pick up my book and there'll be a lot more in there. It's true. I have read it. I feel like you get a full chapter for each tiny tidbit, which I is amazing. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. So, tell us about the Vice Astrology app, Sarah. What makes it unique? There are a bunch of astrology apps out there. This one has some really interesting features. What's its deal? Kind of like at what's at the heart of our conversation. It's really about how to use astrology to build a better life, to build your better relationships, and to consider things a little bit more deeply. So while other apps will maybe have like 
an exploration of your birth chart are features that I think really make it special are things like our horoscopes that tell you what your friend is going through that day or what your lover, which is what it's called in the app, but could be applicable to basically anyone that you have romantic feelings toward or affections towards um, or how they're doing that day and tips on how to be more sensitive and empathetic to that situation that may be going on. So it's something like, it's really nice to, I think that we can all relate to having a crush and then reading their sun sign horoscope and being like, okay, well, if they're in that kind of mood today, maybe I'm going to do this. And we do our best to intuit and interpret on our own. But we do that legwork for you, which I think is really exciting. So it can say something like, oh, uh, your Virgo's crush is really Uh, They feel like their head is in the clouds today. So it might not be a good day for a what are we conversation, but it might be a good day to help them find ways to get grounded, like offer to help them get some errands done or to, you know, double check their to do list and things like that. And those are kind of just things that I think that you can really use and apply to just be a better person to everyone in your life, which is really exciting. I think one of the most exciting things about this app is that Yeah, we've built like a really beautiful, really strong team. And we have five professional, incredible, empathetic, brilliant and talented astrologers and writers who are really putting their heart into this. And it's so evident in the writing. And what I've loved as an editor is seeing them get stronger and better at this every single day. But you can feel the thoughtfulness and the consideration and the heart that they put into these horoscopes and the way that you should think about the people in your life and the themes that are coming up for you in your life. And so it's things like being able to take those really technical mapping terms and showing the work, but still bringing it down to that granular level of offer to help explain a really complicated feeling for your friend today or like offer to talk through this really intense theme of grief with your Gemini friend today. And those are really amazing things that, you know, no shade to other apps, but there are with the popularization of astrology, you know, these other places can sometimes reduce or even, you know, some are written by AI. And it's just a different feeling. And I think that you can really feel that human touch when you read the horoscopes, which is really exciting. Definitely. One, the question that astrologers hear the most when we say, oh, there's a full moon or a new moon or an eclipse is, what does that mean? And we basically take the what does it mean question and write a horoscope around that. So you don't have to ask what does it mean? You know, like we really try to the team is just absolutely amazing. I'm so proud of everyone. And I feel like all of the writers on the team just do such an amazing job of taking what the transits are for that day, what the astrological weather is like and explaining it so that if you're a budding astrologer at home and you have an ephemeris and you're trying to figure out what a, you know, moon sextile Saturn means, you can open up this app and you'll you'll have a definition there. And it's that's. It's awesome. It's, it's, this app is going to be such an amazing resource for people. And I'm so excited to hear what the feedback is going to be. Yeah, I'm excited, too, because I think that a lot of, um, you know, kind of like this idea of like pigeonholing astrology as a women's interest. Um, that's why it can often be paired with or hand in hand with this idea of self-care or wellness. And I think that this app is really good at challenging what those ideas really mean, because those are buzzwords often. And like when you see some 
pieces or examinations of it, you can see how easily it falls apart or how flimsy it is. This idea of like wellness or, you know, people relying on on being able to say, oh, yeah, self-care is like just locking myself up and not helping anyone today because that's what I need, which our horoscopes like do acknowledge that there are spaces for that. But also there's like a gentle challenge to everyone to kind of be like, yes, these are all emotions and this whole spectrum of emotions that we should be making space for. How can you let those move through you and give them space to evolve so that you can find a way to work through that in a way that makes you understand yourself better and in a way that makes it so that you aren't afraid to tackle or think of these difficult topics like death or sex or inheritance and to be able to work through that in ways of being like, okay, well, I really sat with my feelings about that today. I'm going to journal. I'm going to meditate on that. And then I'm going to move on or I'm going to find a way to try and talk about this with my friends. And those, I think, are the really special kind of details that we're able to offer. Well, I'm so excited to check out Astro Guide, which is Vice's new astrology app. It comes out tomorrow. I'm super excited to get hooked up with your book, Annabelle. I'm going to give you a copy as soon as I can. I'm so excited. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Annabelle, for coming on the show. This was super interesting. Thank you, Sophie. If you like what you heard on this episode, make sure to get the new Vice Astrology app, Astro Guide. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. And make sure to tune in again wherever you get your podcasts for another Vice Guide to right now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.